Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. I really don't have much to say as an introduction to this episode. This is an interview with Roger at San Juan Sailing. Now, I've talked a lot about my first five years of sailing after I launched my boat, which was up in the San Juan Islands, the Gulf Islands, Vancouver, that area. So it was nice to talk to Roger and reminisce. Something I'd like to do is sail again up in the San Juan Islands. In fact, I've mentioned to my listeners, if you want somebody to go sailing with you and you're up in the San Juans, give me a call. But then again, I've been thinking, what if I organized a group of people to go up and charter a sailboat sometime and go out and sail in the San Juan Islands and the Gulf Islands? Because I'd want to get up to the Gulf Islands as well. I'd like to organize a group to do that. If you have any interest in that... You, your family, your wife, a group of people, drop me a note, Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, at medsailor.com. Or maybe we could get somebody from San Juan Sailing to go out with us and give us some certifications. Not me, but if you're interested in learning to sail, we might be able to get one of the skippers to go out with us and give some examinations. Or, or possibly, we might go sail for the week. I'll teach you, and you come back and see if you pass the examination that they give you. I don't know, just different things to think about. Like I say, I want to go sailing up there again. And of course, you want to go sailing in the summer or fall or spring. But this is the time of year to do it. I don't know if I have the time to do it this year, but it's something to plan on, something to think about. So if it's something you are interested in, drop me an email. All right, my quick advertisement. And by the way, Roger's going to be reviewing my ASA 104 course. I don't know if he'll write a review, but I gave him a copy of it. And I asked him to listen to it and give me his comments. So I'm looking forward to hearing back from him on that. But, but for my advertisement, if you are studying for the American Sailing Association Examinations Number 101, which is Basic Keelboat Certification, 103 which is basic cruising certification, or 104, which is bareboat cruising certification. I can't help you with the on-the-water exam, but I can teach you verbally some of the concepts that you need to understand past the written portion of the exam. I put together an audio course to help you do it. Now, there's some pretty good reviews on my ASA 101 and 103, not so many reviews on my 104. In fact, I don't know if there's any out there yet right now. It was released just before I went sailing this summer, and I haven't really promoted it that much. But if you would like to review that, drop me a note. If you'll write an honest review in Amazon and iTunes, I can get you a copy of that. Otherwise, if you're just studying for those examinations and you want a way to study when you're driving your car or walking or exercising, these are audio courses. These aren't written courses. But I think I do a pretty good job of explaining the concepts. And I really try to teach by anecdote. Most of the lessons I talk about some of my experiences which, which try to reinforce the concepts I'm teaching with each individual lesson. So I think they're pretty good. They are available at the website, medsailor.com, M-E-D-S-A-I-L-O-R.com. And if you buy them at the website, It'll take you to a site called Gumroad, which will take your credit card information. I never get any of your credit card information. I don't want it. Also, they're available in iTunes and Amazon. So if it's something that's of interest to you, take a look at it. All right, let's get on to my interview with Roger at San Juan Sailing in Bellingham, Washington. So I'm talking to Roger Van Dyken. Roger is the owner and the founder of San Juan Sailing, located up in Bellingham. Now, I sailed a lot in Bellingham when I first launched my boat, so I'm pretty familiar with the area. 
but I'm not familiar with your company, Roger. Why don't you tell me about it and tell me how you got started and just go into as much detail as you'd like. Well, um, we've been, we just started our 34th year in May. I founded it in May of 1982, and it <laughs> it was an odd formation, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'd uh, bought a little San Juan 24 uh, about, uh, well, let's see, back in 1976, and um, talked to some friends of mine who didn't know how to sail. Um, frankly, I didn't either. I checked out a book out of the library called Royce's Sailing Illustrated, and uh, and we figured out how to sail uh, by the school of hard rocks, and um, and 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 then we chartered it out to uh, to see if we could uh, uh, maybe get a little cost reduction, and discovered we were making money by accident. And then I taught, I learned to sail eventually and taught some friends how to sail. And then the port built this beautiful little office overlooking the marina, um, just in case I had my name in on the, the port's list and was senior. And they said, well, we just built this new complex. Take a look at it and see if you want it. So I had to come up with a business because I had a beautiful view of the islands out one side and the view of Mount Baker out the other and I said, yeah, let's, uh, I'll, I'll do this. Now I need to come up with a business. So like, we're just kind of, it, it's not the ideal business school way of establishing a business. Um, and we went through some hard times. We started out with two boats. Um, and, and now 30 years later, due to um, hard work, uh, God smiling on us, and uh, loyalty from customers over the years, um, the, 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 the latest uh, available ratings uh, rank us as uh, tied for number one in the world uh, in, uh, as a charter company and overall, um, well, specifically in, uh, as number one in customer service and in uh, value uh, for money spent on a charter. So have, have, thankful for a great staff that's allowed that to happen. So how many is in your staff now? Well, we have about uh, half a dozen that are full-time. Then we have instructors that uh, number about um, 15. And it's been summertime cleaning help. Uh, There's about uh, 25. So uh, a a good core and, and wonderful auxiliaries that help us out. Okay. Are you originally from the Bellingham area? I grew up in central San Joaquin Valley, a farm boy east of San Francisco, and uh, hadn't been on a, wasn't even, didn't sit, even set foot in a rowboat until I was, I think, uh, just about out of high school. And uh, I was, I was a sailor inside, even, even before I'd been on a sailboat. I just knew it. I went to a library once, and uh, when I was in the service in Germany, checked out a book on sailing, and it had all these unfamiliar things like leeches and jibs and sheets and halyards and shrouds, and I thought, oh, man, this is a whole new language. I've been trying to learn German, much less this whole new English language. So that discouraged me, and then we moved to the Pacific Northwest, which is where my wife is from. Uh, I had hitchhiked up in, from California in 1966 to see her and thought I'd gone to heaven without dying. And so uh, we moved here, uh, bought a farm, bought the boat, and, um, in, and went back to the library and managed to conquer the language barrier. So did you, were you a farmer then and became a, a yacht charter manager, there, a business manager? A, a... <laughs> how, well, did, how did you, how, what was your previous <laughs> life like? Oh, we probably don't have time for all that, Franz. I mean, I'm 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 still a kid trying to figure out what I want to when I what I want to do when I when I grow up. I've been on uh, in politics, uh, presidential campaign staff, um, a military. I've been in a couple of wars, uh, served in the legislature, um, organized nonprofits, um, been in dairy and beef, and um, and just uh, having great fun. Um, as um, what, what I'm what I'm doing with uh, with guests out, out on the water here for the last 30 33 plus years sounds like an interesting life then you probably have some good stories to tell along the way <laughs> well I'll tell you the truth I'm I've been urged to write some of those down so I'm I'm, I'm writing a book now called 
letters to my great grandchildren, uh, as I find myself kind of yearning to know what life was like for my great grandfather. So it's an attempt to literarily leap over the generational barriers and uh, pass on some knowledge. Oh, that's great. Maybe sometime I can get you back and you can tell some stories because I'm a big believer in, in passing stories from people to people. And so if, if you ever want to, feel free to just give me a call and say, I, I want to tell some stories here. <laughs> Be happy to. And, you know, one of our stories, uh, and, and you may get an idea of this through what I just ran through, is I, you know, I, I was too busy in too many things, uh, figuring if I just uh, worked hard enough, fast enough, and smart enough, I could solve, well, most of the world's problems. <laughs> and, and as a consequence, I neglected uh, my, my wife and the kids, and so I just declared time out. We took a year and a half, went to uh, Europe, bought a barge, and spent a year and a half going around there. And we've been uh, doing that as an avocation uh, since for the last 25 years. So um, I've written a book called Barging in Europe. And so there's a there's a bunch of stories that may be related to, uh, to, to some of your listeners as well. Well, some of my most popular episodes have been dealing with cruising the French canals. And really? I've, yes, I've interviewed it- several... Well, one one person in particular, a gentleman that lives in England, he's come back twice and talked about uh, his his travels on the French canals, and that seems to be a very popular subject. So, well, I love to talk about that. It uh, transports me vicariously uh, to the canals. Uh, we spend we've we've cruised total about five thousand miles over there in in France, Belgium, Holland, uh, Germany and uh, on our own barge and um, we still go back and do so every year normally in the fall after our charter season and school season winds down here in the san juan islands in washington state and cruise for anywhere from uh, two weeks to uh, to a month over there so um, we we really enjoy that aspect of our lives as well do you charter out your barge when you're not using it or, or just keep it for yourself well I, I'm not rich enough to keep it just for myself, <laughs> and and so it was just our own on our family odyssey here back in 1990 and 91. Um, but the idea of selling her, which we had intended to do all along after our family sabbatical, just seemed somewhat akin to selling one's grandmother. And so I wrote a letter to some friends back here in the Bellingham area saying, here's a wild idea. You know, um, what if several of us owned her and then when we weren't using her, we chartered her out? That idea spread like wildfire. And I came back to now a dozen partners and I'm deeply indebted to them for the last quarter century, uh, keeping the dream alive. Uh, we all have a wonderful time. We each use her from two weeks to to three or four uh, every year. And then when we're not using her, then she's available for charter. So the long answer to the question, yes, she is occasionally available for charter. But it sounds like the group keeps her pretty busy in the summer, I'll bet. Um, pretty busy, uh, very enjoyable. We get together twice a year, tell stories uh, about our adventures, and uh, what are we going to do next to keep her in uh, top top condition? She's a 1908, um, hundred plus year old, grand old lady. Steel or wood? Steel. Okay, okay. So pretty durable, then I would guess. <laughs> uh, the former owner of, uh, well, he's, I don't know if he's still alive, but Trentella Yachts. Um, I, I, when I was first learning to handle uh, our barge, when we bought her back in 1990, I, 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 I kind of I, I moored up against the riverbank in Kampen, the Netherlands, and I kind of bumped the bow. Uh, had a little reverse torque going on with our single, uh, single uh, screw uh, propeller. And uh, no bow thruster, and uh, I, I'm making excuses now for my poor performance. And uh, I kind of, I, and he was right in front of me, and you know, smoking his pipe, an old gent. And I said uh, something in, in Dutch about, uh, you know, uh, uh, sorry, I don't mean to be so hard in the boat. And he said to me in English, he says, "Young man," I was about 40 at the time. 
He said that both of us going long before you were born and she will be going long after you are dead. (laughs) (laughs) So do you speak Dutch? Because your last name is a Dutch name. My grandparents came over and uh, the only thing we learned around the table was uh, picking up a few things that our parents didn't want us to understand as kids. And and then the occasional stoute which which means bad boy. Um, but uh, being in Holland um, and making some improvements to the boat, uh, we just, uh, it's kind of in the blood. And so we just kind of uh, learned to learn to speak enough Dutch to get by. Is that where you keep the boat normally is in, in, in the Netherlands then? We bring her back to the Netherlands normally every six years or so for uh, haul out and uh, complete go over to check up on all the systems. Uh, and normally we'll cruise in Holland maybe one, maybe 20% of the time. Uh, France has been the most popular destination, and then we also took her across the Mittelland Canal, across northern Germany to Berlin, Potsdam, the lakes area north of uh, Berlin, uh, which is a fascinating area as well. And you can connect from there into Poland. Uh, So there's just lots of cruising to be done. Oh, wow. Sounds like some great stories to tell on that. So let me get back to the San Juan area, because... That's where I launched my boat, and I sailed for five years up in the San Juan Islands, the Gulf Islands, and and eventually sailed around Vancouver Island. And and I always tell people, if I'm ever done sailing in the Mediterranean and I want to bring my boat back, that's where it's going, is back up to the San Juan Islands. I think that's heaven on earth for sailors in that area. You know, we have, uh, I've followed in your wake, um, in the San Juans, the Gulf Islands, Desolation Sound, uh, up the northern tip of Vancouver Island in the Brottons, and then uh, we took two months to sail around Vancouver Island and popped into the five sounds on the west side of Vancouver Island. So isolated, so pristine, uh, it's uh, amazing. It's like you are uh, cruising through the Garden Garden of Eden. And uh, I, too, have very much enjoyed uh, sailing in the Mediterranean. Um, but there's there's some special magic about uh, sailing up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, almost a stark contrast, a black and a white, because uh, in the Mediterranean, you're, you're sailing in, in the ancient cradle of civilizations. And in the Pacific Northwest, you get to some areas where it's never been touched by civilization yet. No, not even any roads back there. Where you see grizzly bear and black bear and deer and... And you can still go clamming and pick up clams, and you want to. It's it's it's. I, I just love that area. The land where the antelope play. That's right. And uh, and and to tell you the truth, uh, we need to be careful because uh, sometimes we'll go up in early spring, uh, after the bears come out of hibernation, and uh, they're they're hungry. They smell very well, very good, and they but they don't see very well. And um, we've always kept a pretty safe distance and to get pretty close to that dinghy and scoot back to our boat if need be. Yeah, smart, smart. I haven't seen grizzlies up there, but uh, I guess if you go in some of the, 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 the big, like, Knights Inlet and some areas like that, you will see grizzly. But I have seen quite a few black bears, especially on Vancouver Island when I was, when I was sailing around there. Yes, yeah, and and those are very common, as you say. The grizzly are, are 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 very rare, and and frankly, thankfully so, because they are they're the bull moose of the of the of the of the bears, and uh, you don't want to you don't want to tangle with them at all. They have a short fuse, short fuse, and a strong arm. So tell me about the services your company offers. Um, what type of boats do you charter out? Well, we have three legs to our stool, if you will, Franz. Uh, we have the school, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that many of our charter guests, uh, by the way, half of our charter guests, more than half, are repeat charter guests, which is heartwarming to me, uh, are graduates of our sailing school program. And, um, and many of them also then go on to become owners. We, in our brokerage division, the third leg of our stool, be, besides school and charter, uh, helps them to find the right boat at the best price, the best value, no matter where in the world it is. And uh, they then put it into our fleet. Our, our fleet has two components, 50 boats total, five zero, about two-thirds 
our sale and um, one third power or 60 40 is about the 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 mix we have 30 sailboats approximately and 20 power boats approximately and um, the power boats are primarily trawlers um, the sailing fleet ranges in size from 34 feet to uh, 49 feet and power from 27 to uh, 53. Do you have two shoulder seasons and a high season that you charted these out then? And did the, the rates vary according to the season? Three seasons. Uh, the, the off season, the shoulder, and the peak. Peak is generally July and August. Uh, shoulders, uh, June and September, and the off season uh, around that. Uh, generally. And so uh, the off season will be about 25% off of the peak. And tell us about your sailing courses. Tell us about how long they're involved, how long they take, what's involved. And because a lot of my listeners want to be able to go out and bareboat charter. And and when I started chartering, uh, there were no requirements, but now uh, almost every charter company requires some sort of a certification. So tell us about what your school entails. Well, let me answer that two ways, Franz. The first way is our school uh, is we're one of the one of the original members of the American Sailing Association, and we applauded that because uh, when we started, there, as you say, there were there were very few uh, training programs, very little rigor, very little. Um, kind of across the board skills that everyone has. And this is an excellent way to, to, to give that to people. And I've been privileged to, to serve on their executive board and their standards committees uh, at various times over the years and, and seen that uh, develop, uh, bl- blossom, develop, and mature. So that, uh, so, so we we teach everything from beginning through uh, advanced, and and our advanced really gets into offshore. We head out to the Straits of Juan de Fuca and into the Pacific Ocean. We do uh, some overnights, and standing watches, and and flying spinnaker, and 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 everything that's going to be involved in uh, ocean type cruising. Uh, without going going actually going out there and getting seasick and experiencing that 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 part of it. Then the, the second part of the answer that I wanted to give is that yet you're right. Many people will look for some many charter companies will look for some kind of certification, some kind of paperwork. Yet we have found a significant difference from school to school, even though they may be accredited and even members of the American Sailing Association, some are better than others, just like, well, colleges can all be accredited, but there's going to be a difference between Harvard and Yale and and, and some of the um, some other schools that, that don't achieve those same type of academic standards. Um, so the quality of the education in the ASA schools can vary as well. What we're after not so, is not so much the certification as competence. And certainly the certification helps, but it, it's like an entry level. O- okay, you've got that, but let's talk about your anchoring experience and your confidence level. And And we don't try to filter people out. What we try to do is help them have a wonderful time out there. And a big part of having a wonderful time is sailing with confidence, knowing that you are not putting you and your loved ones at risk. So we try to probe areas that may need some reinforcement. And with the number of instructors that we have available, we can offer to put an instructor on sometimes with a regular charter uh, for maybe a, a day or two days or until both the charter guest and the instructor feel comfortable with the instructor getting off and the guest continuing on their own. That's a formula that's worked very well for us and for the charter guest. So my nephew uh, just sent me an email saying he was going to come up and take a class from your company. I actually mentioned it, and that's, how, that's the reason I actually reached out to you because I thought, well, I ought to talk to San Juan Sailing and see what they have to offer. 
So, hey, uncle's got to protect their nephews, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I know and, and you're, you're checking us out, friends. and I'm and I'm familiar with the area, and I love the area. <laughs> so, so I thought, well, and I've talked to my listeners before about sailing up at the San Juan Islands, and so I thought, well, this this will give me a good excuse to to reminisce a little bit about it. But what what sort of a time if somebody signs up for, let's say, your bareboat, your ASA one hundred four course? Yep. Uh, they already have to have the ASA 101 and 103 certifications before they can sign up for that course, or can they sign up just to, to get that course to begin with? If they have the competencies, the, the prerequisites, um, again, we're not sticklers on paperwork. Our goal is to get people qualified as capably and as efficiently, and by efficiently I mean our time and their dollars, as possible. So it's whatever the shortest and best route is to that. Now, normally a level uh, is accomplished, can be accomplished normally in one weekend with pre-study. Uh, we can go from having never set foot on a boat before, and many of our students have not, never set foot on a boat before, to becoming a qualified skipper capable of chartering anywhere in the world, well, the Mediterranean, and they should have a little additional Medmore training, uh, but otherwise, every everywhere in the world in one week. Okay. And it's it, we send the book out ahead of time. We send the curriculum ahead of time. We su suggest areas to study, and uh, especially with the nomenclature of the boat, that foreign language, <laughs> and and then. Um, when they come down, it's all hands-on. So they spend a week in the islands, they sleep on the boat, they anchor, they sleep on the anchor that they set. Uh, they're, they're maximum of four students with the instructor, a lot of interaction. Uh, they're talking sailing um, in, when they get up in the morning and uh, go out and do it. And then they, they talk about, uh, you know, sitting around, uh, relaxing in the evening, uh, talking about their experiences, asking questions going into the details. Uh, so it's it's kind of custom tailored to each student to make sure that they fully comprehend and, and, and becomes part of it, uh, part of them and their lifestyle. And more than anything else, that they pick up the magic and the sheer joy of capturing that silent force we call wind and see and, and finding how the wind is drawing the boat into itself and when they catch that magic it's just such a wonderful thing to experience so it's about a week course then it's week we offer a week-long course um, basic to bare boat and we also offer the individual components the three levels involved in that uh, in individual weekends depending upon a person's schedule so we we call them weekenders so if people only have weekends available, they can come out, and especially in the local or regional area, They'll, although we've had them fly in from the Midwest to do weekenders. Um, and we go out on a Saturday and Sunday, um, and they can get to the bare boat level in three weekends. But it is more popular to go out for the uh, what we call the learning cruise week. Uh, they, they, they fly in Saturday morning or, or drive up Saturday morning. And we come back um, Friday after Friday afternoon, just after just after lunch. So, what size and boats are they on? What size boats are they? On? We try to get them in a mid-sized boat. Um, ideally, is something around thirty-four to thirty-eight. Um, and it also depends on the type of boat because we want a boat that's going to handle like a sports car, so they can get the feel for maneuvering and the feel of what happens to the boat depending upon the, the set of the sails and if they're right in the right in the groove uh, with the, the maximum um, um, pull on the sails, uh, the maximum lift. Um, so we, we want it to be a, the, the best possible learning platform. We know we have the best possible classroom here in the San Juans. Not only is it beautiful, but you have conditions that are that that will you can replicate anywhere else, but nowhere else in the sp full spectrum that you experience in the San Juans with the tides and the currents, uh, heavier winds, lighter winds, um, and uh, deep water, shallower waters. So it's a it's it's a very 
full-bodied experience that helps to prepare students. It's not just straight trade winds from your, where you're going from point A to point B, and um, don't need to adjust your sales except to you know set them set them for one point of sale for um, for you know 20 knots of breeze the whole way. Give me a typical route. Leave from Bellingham. What islands are you are you going to be visiting over that week period of time? You know, it, it, I can give you the typical route, France, but it will vary. So for, for your listeners that may be familiar with the San Juans, we tend to take a counterclockwise loop through the San Juan Islands. Uh, we'll uh, head across Bellingham Bay, um, go up the uh, towards Susha Island, uh, which is you may remember is the it's the gem of the island you know it's uh, it's it's and there's a wonderful story behind that too um, and then uh, we'll, we'll anchor there uh, students will go ashore do some hiking just uh, beautiful experiences there uh, head on to uh, maybe Stewart Island either Prevost Harbor or Reed Harbor uh, stop in at Roach Harbor. Uh, sail around, maybe encounter some uh, whales. Uh, we're in the orca. Um, there's 88 orcas in three different pods out there. Um, sailing, with, uh, it's not uncommon to see the bald eagles overhead and uh, dolls porpoises, harbor porpoises. Um, sail through the middle of the islands, uh, maybe uh, stopping in Dare Harbor. Um, Friday Harbor is uh, an almost always a mandatory stop. Uh, and then they're just so many different places where you can cruise, but a lot of it, frankly, will vary depending upon where the wind is. We're generally in a protected area, as you know, with 300 mile long Vancouver Island out there. So we don't have the ocean swells and we don't have trade winds, but it will vary. And sometimes a good instructor will need to kind of read the winds and the weather and know where to where to find the breeze necessary for the all the different experiences they want the students to have just as an example um, some of our most challenging times come when it's all sunshine there's no low pressure system moving in and the winds associated with that and in the middle of the islands it can be pretty well it can be a um, a power cruiser's paradise <laughs> pretty frustrating from a sailor's perspective it can be frustrating from a sailor's perspective but a good instructor like we have on staff will know that about uh, oh one o'clock in the afternoon that the sun will have heated up the land on orcas island and a five mile long east sound will generate 15 to 25 knot winds in the afternoon and west sound uh, that's going to be not quite as deep will generate winds of 10 to 15 knots in the afternoon. So they look for you know, bodies of water surrounded on three sides by land and look for the, the um, uh, Vernoulli effect uh, and the, the winds to pick up on when everywhere else it can be totally, uh, totally no wind at all. I remember a day just tacking back and forth up through East Sound all the way up to the very end. And it was just such a delightful sail because it was good, strong winds and uh, flat water, which was always nice. Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's it's great fun, you know, and, and it's about, you know, 15, 25 knots. It can be challenging, you know, sometimes you need to throw in a reef, uh, which is good. And you can just keep that uh, nice uh, 15 to 20 degrees of heel and uh, slicing through the water and, and it, you know, you're maybe, in, you know, 10 minutes on attack um, back and forth as you, as you head up the sound. So it's, it's good practice and great fun. So on the North side of, Orcas Island, I once experienced a magnetic anomaly. And I don't know if you show your, your students this or not, but very close to the island on the north side of Orcas Island, you go around a little islet. And as you go around the islet, if you look at the charts very closely, it'll, it'll say magnetic anomaly known to occur. And one day I was sailing in there. Uh, I was actually motoring in there. There was no winds, and I was motoring in there with my autopilot controlling the boat. And as I approached this area known for magnetic anomalies, the boat turned 90 degrees and <laughs> because of uh, the effect on the compass, on the flux gate compass on, on the autopilot. So I was wondering if you've ever experienced that or know where I'm talking about. 
No, uh, I've not. And I don't know which island you're talking about because there's about uh, five of them in that area. All, uh, well, four of them are state marine parks. There's Clark and Barnes, Mesha, Susha, and Patos, all there, you know, north or northeast of uh, Orcas. And then, of course, there's the, there is the, uh, the the reef there, just just north of uh, Orcas, uh, that everyone needs to be um, uh, very careful of. Um, so I don't. Do you recall which which little islet was up there? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up Google Earth, and I'm going to tell you just a second here. Okay. Now this is going from my memory, so I'm hoping I'll be fairly close. But it was very very close to the island. It may have been around the reef you're talking about. Yeah, I think it's is there um, Parker Reef. We 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 try to keep people to stay away from <laughs> Parker Parker Reef, and and frankly, um, they will use the autopilot um, just to basically hold the rudder straight, you know, to to stay on course. Mm-hmm. But but um, the it, as you know, it's so easy to identify the various land shapes that um, we strongly encourage the use of the paper charts and the um, and, and the chart books that we have on board to identify the various islands around, keep track of their position on the on, on the chart. So very little reliance on the compass. So I'm looking at Google Earth on Orcas Island, and I think it's right around the south side of Freeman Island that I'm talking about. That I'm thinking is the area that I that had the magnetic anomalies. Hmm. Is is Freeman on the um, sort of the north west? sort of the northwest side of Orcas Island? So it's okay around the around the corner uh, on the west side. Right, and Walden Island yep. would be directly to uh, a to little bit to the west, right? Mm-hmm. Or Waldron yeah. Island, excuse me. Waldron, right, right, right. Um, no, um, ha- have not. I have. Uh, I- I've sailed around there, but uh, didn't. But a wasn't using the uh, autopilot, and uh, and and b didn't notice any anomalies around there. Yeah, and it's marked on the chart. That's what I. Yeah. So I was saying, okay, let's see what happens when we come into the series. Seeing, looking for uh, the magnetic anomaly, and it, it sure enough did yeah. turn the boat. So anyway, and I thought we, that was pretty interesting. So yes, yes. Yeah, you kind of wonder what causes things like that. Probably some kind of maybe iron deposits or something that mm-hmm. would yeah, something like that. Goof things up. Do you ever go up? Do you ever take your students up to the Gulf Islands? We seldom do take the students. We frankly we used to uh, just to give them the uh, experience of clearing customs, uh, which just adds to their comfort level, and they then they know the protocol that's involved. Um, we stopped doing it uh, after 9/11, and um, the, the the paperwork involved just became, um, especially with a skippered charter, it just became rather horrendous. Uh, there are signs that that's easing off again, and uh, I mean they they made our instructors fill out the same forms that the cruise ship captains have to fill out. Mm. To, uh, clear and uh, it just became an impractical type of situation but we are looking at that and we we may um, reincorporate that into our program okay okay because that was a it was so common when i was sailing up there just to go back and forth and back and forth and it was very easy to clear customs on both sides but the last time i was up there on a friend's power boat it was uh, a huge headache a huge headache <laughs> Well, they're much more vigilant, um, to, to use a, 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 a friendly term, um, in, as far as especially U.S. Customs is concerned. Uh, they maintain a constant uh, optical and electronic watch. So if you tend to be going back and forth across the international boundary, even though you are not uh, technically, you're in their waters, but not touching land, and so technically, you don't have to clear customs. Uh, they'll uh, send out a speedboat and uh, want to know what's going on, and especially if you have two boats meeting, because they'll be wondering, aha, what's what's being transported, you know, from from one to the other, and clearing, especially into the U.S. Uh, they're they're they 
they, they check you pretty, pretty, pretty rigorously now. So, you know, from a chartering standpoint, it's, it's just something you deal with and deal with fairly easily. It's maybe a, you know, 15 minute check-in procedure back into the U S in Canada. It's maybe a five minute procedure to, you know, stop at the customs dock. It's all by telephone in Canada. You just get on the line and you're talking to Ottawa and they run through a little checklist of questions to ask. I remember I used to clear in at Bedwell Harbor quite a bit. Is that still a clear in port for the Gulf Islands? During the summer, Bedwell Harbor it remains as the top most popular uh, spot to uh, clear in. So it's often, uh, most often people will sail to Susha and then maybe Stewart or maybe direct from Susha, sail over to Bedwell Harbor, uh, check in. We led a 13-boat flotilla. And, and by the way, for graduates of the sailing school program or anybody's school program or just getting familiar with the islands, uh, that's a popular option for them. So uh, my wife and I took a 10-day um, flotilla through some of our favorite spots in the San Juans and Gulf Islands, uh, gems that we've picked up uh, over our um, almost 40 years of cruising these islands now. And... Um, uh, so we um, just checked into Bedwell Harbor and then you know, go into Ganges and the back door into Bouchard Gardens and and, and a number of uh, little spots up there that are – there's so many special spots. But the hard part is deciding, you know, which 10% are we going to hit this time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. of course, it's always glorious to uh, sail into Victoria and moor up there in front of the Empress Hotel and the Houses of Parliament and, you know, the uh, – the, the, the musicians uh, setting up and playing in front of you, serenading you through the night. And it's, it's almost like uh, suddenly being, you, you make the transatlantic crossing into Europe without having to cross the Atlantic. Definitely a European flavor. Do you have certain weeks that are very, very popular? And I'm thinking specifically the Swiftsure race, now that you're talking about Victoria Harbor, um, that, that are very hard to, to book a boat because of the popularity of, say, for instance, the start of the Swisher race? It, it's not so much, no. It's it, it's not the, the race really affects us very little. Um, it's the number of people who want to go. Typically, a middle of July to uh, through the third week in August, we have to turn people away. Um, in in fact, we, we had so many people that we had to turn away. And yet, at some of the prime cruising of the year in say late spring may and june are just phenomenal times the days are long the winds are good the uh, islands are less crowded Uh, you almost have the place to yourself we said what kind of an inducement can we give to move some of our uh, repeat long-time charter guests always go in august and uh, to go earlier in the year and, and discover these great times and relieve some of the pressure of all the people wanting to go in august and turning people away so we gave we came up with a 10 for 7 program so they can take 10 days for the price of one week uh, in selected times in may and june and that's proven very popular and has uh, both given people the opportunity to, 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 to uh, take advantage of the great opportunities there, both from a bargain standpoint as well as great cruising. And it's opened up the um, August uh, times, late July, or, um, through first three weeks in August, and it, it's made that much more popular. Uh, the other one is post-Labor Day has become a very popular as well. Used to be only very few charters in September and great weather, um, and now that's become a very popular area, a time to go as well. Often uh, the, the Indian summer, as we call it, and uh, the only downside is the days are a little shorter than they are with the long days in um, in May and June. Tell me about your flotillas. We talked about regular bareboat chartering, but. But how many boats typically go out in a flotilla? Is that a, a way of – I know when I've seen it in Europe, specifically in, in the Greek islands, they use flotillas as a way to teach a large group of people. Do you use it that way or do you just do it as a, as a get-together with a lot of boats? It, um, we use it basically both ways. 
um, it, it's fairly loose. So, for example, let's talk about. Let me answer your first question first, and that is uh, how many boats in a flotilla. Typically, we limited it to five or six. Uh, this year, um, I was my wife and I were doing some traveling in Southeast Asia. Uh, we came back, and my staff said, "Oops, we forgot to keep a close eye on the number of boats in your flotilla. We forgot to cut it off. You've got 13." And I just about had a heart attack. And I thought, how in the world is this going to work? Um, and, and in truth, we found that it worked wonderfully well. Um, the conviviality, the camaraderie, uh, boats kind of uh, being in contact, looking out for one another, visiting with one another. Um, with a smaller group, five or six, it's like almost everybody needs to be included. And if someone decides, eh, we want to kind of spend a little more time alone, it's like, ooh, you know, um, <laughs> are, are we doing everything to include you? Did we offend you somehow? But with a larger group, you 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 don't have that same peer pressure type of thing. And people can kind of come and go as they wish. And we found people visiting in one another's cockpits and hosting little uh, – little uh, hors d'oeuvre parties and uh, getting to know one another. And and I'm still getting emails uh, from the group that formed their own now internet group and they're sharing photos and experiences. So it's a, it's a great social uh, time, but it's also an instructive time. And I communicate with my um, people who've signed up for, for my flotillas at any rate. And I say, look, um, if, if, if you, if, if you want any coaching, I'm not going to give it to you unless you ask. And so, and I'm not going to s announce it publicly, raise your hand, anybody that wants coaching, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody. So if I'm sending you an email, if you would like coaching, anything that I observe, or you want some reinforcement in some specific areas, just reply by email, let me know, and I'll make a note of that fact. Well, 100% of the people said, yes, please give us coaching. Most of them did not need it, but it just enabled kind of a, we're not criticizing one another, we're helping one another. And I say the same thing to them. If you notice, hey, you know, does your mane seem to be sheeted in a little bit tight? Um, ask me about it. And, you know, so we would help one another out during the cruise it just makes it a very uh, convivial uh, type of uh, both social and uh, learning time. And any, as we, as you know, Franz, any true sailor recognizes that every time they go sailing, they're going to learn something that they hadn't known before. That's right. That's right. It's always a learning sport. It's yep. a... And if, and if it's not, you're dangerous. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Know-it-alls, um, are, 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 are really a hazard on the, on the waters. Roger, I appreciate your time. Is there anything else you'd like to add about your, your company, your operations, or any stories you want to tell before we con conclude this, this discussion? I would, the, the only thing that I would point in, you've maybe picked it up through our conversation, France, and that is the, 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 the joyful experience. I get so much feedback from charter guests saying, number one, these are the best boats we've ever been on, the best maintained boats we've ever been on, and your, your pre-charter preparation, the safety briefings, the orientation, the checkout on the boat is by far the best we've experienced, and we've chartered all over the world. But core to that whole thing is the, the joy that our staff gets out of having people have a wonderful experience out there. And I know that sounds a little canned and a little quirky but it's real and it's and you know i see it in the faces of of my staff uh, the, all the colleagues that i'm privileged to work with it's just a it's it's a joyful experience seeing people going out having a wonderful time coming back with the smiles on their sunburned faces um and so it's a just a, a wonderful uh, enterprise to be involved in tell people how they can get a hold of you well, the easiest way is probably online, sanjuansailing.com for the sailors or sanjuanyachting.com for the power, uh, power boaters. And both of them will lead you to um, basically a dual site where you can look for sail or for power. And uh, they're welcome to give us a call at uh, our area code is 360 
671-4300. They're welcome to email me as the owner of the company, roger at sanjuansailing.com. It's uh, like uh, Roger with no D, Roger over and out. And um, hopefully, hopefully uh, sometimes over, but never out. So um, be happy to, to, to chat with people. Sometimes people just want to call and say, you know, I've never chartered before, but and I don't feel fully confident and never been in those waters before. And I hear stories about the currents and about rocks and, and let's just talk about that. And, and that's fine because frankly, that's the type of attitude and approach that makes people safe sailors. And as I tell people in our safety briefing, the basic rules are, are that keep you safe three steps and, um, and and you follow those and you're going to stay safe the, your whole time out there. And we give people the tools uh, necessary to do that. Well, thanks, Roger. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Fran. Uh, hopefully, hopefully a few of my listeners will give you a call. I know I have a man I sailed with this summer that lives in Seattle and uh, he'll, he'll probably be up there and do some, or he may already have chartered, has chartered from you. But, and I've also had a friend that's chartered with you in the past too, Rod, my friend, Roger Schultz, but I appreciate your time and I want to get you back and have you tell some stories about your barging trips. It's always fun to either vicariously sail uh, in the islands or uh, vicariously uh, barge in the waterways of Europe. It's a, uh, it's a it's a cheap ticket to make a, a metal cruise. <laughs> Thanks, Roger. All right. Thank you, friends. Thanks for listening. Again, if you are studying for the ASA 101, 103, or 104 series, I have some audio lessons to help you prepare for the written portion of the examination available at the website, medsailor.com. They are also available in Amazon, iTunes, and oh, CD Baby and Gumroad. Probably the easiest way to find them is to just to search for my name, Franz, F-R-A-N-Z, Amazon, A-M-U-S-S-E-N. If you plug that into iTunes, it'll probably take you right to the various lessons I have available. And you can also see my Series 7 lessons if you're studying for the Series 7 examination. And if you have any suggestions for future subjects you'd like to have covered, if you have questions, I'd actually like to do a question and answer podcast sometimes. So if you have questions about specific techniques of sailing or areas in the Mediterranean where you're thinking of sailing, ask them and I'll try to answer them in the podcast. All right. Thanks for listening. Keep sailing. Joe, you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. Made me very proud. I was just thinking where we might be ten years from now, you know? <laughs>